In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, when you were a teenager, do you remember, maybe not, maybe you were good kids, but do you remember not wanting to be seen with your family? Maybe you remember your kids going through that stage, right? Kids hit their teenage years, and then suddenly they become too cool for mom and dad. They become too cool to be seen with little brother, little sister, right? And so they want their parents to drop them off down the block, or if you take them to the mall, take them to the county fair, whatever, they want you to open your wallet, hand over the cash, and then pretend like you don't know them anymore. They'd prefer not to be seen with their family. They wouldn't want anyone to think they're losers. You can even look back at old family pictures and clearly see the teenager who doesn't want to be in the picture. They have their heads down, trying to stand off in the corner. They don't want to be associated with their family any longer. Well, I think this dynamic might help us understand the baptism of Christ. Because what's going on in Jesus' baptism is that he really wants to be associated with sinners. He wants to be associated with you. He's not too ashamed of you. He's not too ashamed to pose in the family picture with you. He doesn't need you to drop him off early so he's not caught in the car with you. And so the way the Gospel of Matthew tells us this story helps us to see this. Matthew gives us a detail in his account of the baptism of Jesus that the other Gospels don't. In verse 14, we're told that John tries to prevent Jesus from being baptized. He's trying to stop him. And I don't think it's hard to understand why he's trying to prevent him. Who has been coming to John for baptism? Well, sinners have been coming to him. Matthew 3, 6 says people were coming to John to be baptized and confessing their sins. And then John will describe his own ministry like this. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. In other words, John is saying that he's here to clear the way for the Messiah by getting rid of the sinners. He's throwing all the worthless trees into the fire by baptizing them and transforming them. John is dealing with sinners. And this is why John is scandalized by Jesus coming to him to be baptized. He knows who Jesus is. Jesus is the one without sin. This is the Christ, the Holy One, the perfect one. This is the one who's given the title God with us and given the name the Lord saves. And John is saying, Jesus, you don't want to be in the family picture with these sinners. You don't want to be seen with these people. These are awful sinners. These are trees going into the fire. These are people who need transformation. You're not like these people. You're the one who's bringing the fire. You're not the one who needs to be consumed by it. But that's really the scandal of the gospel. The scandal of the gospel is that the one who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus came to take on the sin of the world. He came to identify with sinners and to bear the curse of their sins. And so this is what Jesus means when he says to John, let it be so now for it's proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus is saying that he is identifying with sinners 
so that in his perfection he might make sinners righteous. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf. Jesus is that Lamb of God who bears away the sin of the world. Jesus chooses to identify with sinners. And that becomes a scandal throughout his whole ministry. That's the criticism, right? Here's the one who eats and fellowships with sinners. Here is the one who doesn't take the traditions of the law as seriously as the holy people do. Here's the one who claims even to forgive sinners. Here's the one who forgives those who are caught in adultery, who makes tax collectors whole, who is able to speak to those possessed by demons. That's who Jesus is. Now we have to be careful because there's one interpretation of this that says, well, Jesus was just tolerant. Jesus wasn't a judge. Jesus didn't come to judge. In other words, Jesus didn't care about sin. He sees how people are really deep down, and all people are really basically good. But that kind of interpretation misses the point. Jesus doesn't hang out with sinners because he's excusing their sin. It's not that he's tolerating it. What the gospel shows us is that Jesus himself is coming under the curse of all the world's sin so that he can save sinners from what they deserve. Yes, in his baptism, then, Jesus is identifying with sinners. And again, we want to be careful. Jesus himself is not a sinner. He does not need to be baptized for his own sake. Rather, what the gospel is telling us is that he is baptized for us. And God confirms this. For when Jesus comes up out of the water, the voice of God confirms just who Jesus is. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. There's no question then. Jesus is fully God, fully man. He is Mary's son, the one who identifies with sinner, and he is the eternal word of God, who in his divinity can make men righteous, who can set men right with God. And by God speaking at this baptism, God is confirming that Jesus is there to fulfill his will. It's God's will that humans be saved. Right? That's true from the beginning. The whole story of humanity since the fall into sin at the Garden of Eden is the story of God's mercy towards us. And this story is reaching its high point in the person of Jesus Christ. And so the baptism of Christ that we celebrate today is this unambiguous confirmation of who Jesus is for us and what he is all about. Jesus has come to save sinners by identifying with them and by bearing their sin. He bears the consequences of what they deserve. And so I know I'm speaking in the abstract, but I want to make sure that you understand that this applies to you. You are the sinner who Jesus identifies with in his baptism. This is not just about sinners in general, but this is about a specific sinner. That's you. When Jesus was baptized, he submitted to John's baptism for your sake. He was confessing to the world that he wants to be seen with you. In his perfection, he is taking all the consequences which you deserve, and he is bearing them away unto himself. He is redeeming you. And God wants you to know that this is true. And this is why you yourselves were baptized. 
Because in your baptism, you formally and eternally were identified with Christ. In your baptism, you were connected to his baptism. In fact, in Romans 6, St. Paul puts it like this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. The early church father, Hilary of Poitiers, writes, In Jesus Christ we behold a complete man. Thus, in obedience to the Holy Spirit, the body he assumed fulfilled in him everything for our salvation. There was no need for him to be baptized because he committed no sin. It was not because Christ had a need that he took a body and a name from our creation. He had no need of baptism. Rather, through him, the cleansing act was sanctified to become the waters of our baptisms. So we see that when Christ was baptized, he made holy the waters of all baptism because he was identifying with all those who need baptism. Yes, Christ was baptized perfectly on our behalf. And so when we were baptized, we were connected to what he has done for us. We were connected to his perfection, his sinlessness. We are made new in the waters of our baptism precisely because Christ has given us a new identity. He took on our sinful flesh and he gave us his goodness and his divinity. Christ's baptism gives us the confidence to look to our own baptisms and to know that we truly are forgiven. You can look to the font and that's why we place it right in the front of our sanctuary. Because you can look at that font and know that you are forgiven. Beyond doubt, with certainty, you can know that you are forgiven. You can be confident because Christ was baptized for you. Christ lived for you. Christ died for you. He has saved you. And now he identifies with you. He is not ashamed of you. He doesn't need to hide from you. There's no sin of yours that he did not bear for you. The worst sins of your life, Christ has taken on himself. The thing that you are most ashamed of, Christ has washed away in the waters of your baptism. All the evils you have done in your life, they're all gone in the eyes of God because Christ has taken them away. He bore them in himself. And so at your baptism, he declares you an entirely new person, a righteous person, a forgiven person, because Christ has fulfilled all righteousness for you. And so look to your baptism. Remember your baptism. Look to this font, because it's there that you can have confidence that Christ has redeemed you. He has made you a child of God. He has done it all for you. Amen.